I want to talk to you and take a subject on no time to look back. I was studying this week, and, and I, I got to thinking about America. Now, I'm 75 years old. I think the only one older than me here is Ronin, but she can, uh, <laughs> she's really not. I try to keep her humble as I can. But uh, I, w I was here, I wasn't here during the roaring 20s, but I'll tell you, I was here in the 60s as a young man, and I began to see this nation change. And every, every decade it's got worse. And it, today it looks like it's excelled uh, faster than ever before. Uh, we could talk about all the things that's going on, but you know the things that's going on. Uh, they'd love to see America fall. And the only reason God's ever kept America up in the last 40 years or so, I think, just an opinion, is because of the mission work that we do, that we send missionaries out. Uh, as far as here, like, you know, we've got three and a half million members in the United States as far as the sinners of God, amen, and there's somewhere like 65 or 66 million around the world, so a total of about 70 million people belong to the sinners of God. And uh, it's just amazing that we started here and uh, probably one of the smallest countries. But it's the way this world is getting. It's the way this church uh, has bowed to a lot of things that, that I normally they never would. Uh, the Bible talks about that be a time when we call good evil and evil good. Now, if we're not there, I'll tell you, I don't want to be there. Every time you turn your television on, every time you see things of that nature, uh, they're, they're talking about this is good, this is good. And if you don't believe that way, then you're bad. But I'm telling you, there's coming a time when it's all going to equal out. It's coming a time that Jesus Christ is going to come. And he's going to straighten this earth out. And he's going to rule and reign over it for 1,000 years. And we're going to be his priests and kings. And then we're going to go into the new world. And we won't have to worry about CNN or CBS or any of Fox or any of them. Amen? Uh, it'll be what God wants. And God's always wanted what's best for his people. He proved that by sending his son to die a cruel death on the cross of Calvary. So unworthy. He, he had no sin in his life. He had never sinned. He was tempted in all points as we are, but he didn't yield. Now, how many of you ever yielded to temptation? Of course, we all have. But thank God for Jesus Christ. And I said all that to say this, that we're in a time when people are looking back. Paul prophesies and says in these last days there will be a great falling away. Now, sometimes we look at that as, as, as numbers, and that's true, but also we can look at it as standards because the church is not where it should be and it's not where it was 50 years ago. So all we can do is make sure that we're right as individuals. And Jesus gives us a scripture I'm going to read to you in Luke 9, 57 and 62. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee wherever thou goest. 
And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath no place to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. And he said, Lord, suffer me first to go to bury my father. I always wonder why he didn't say, Come down and raise my father from the dead. I don't, I don't understand that. But he said, Let me go bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And then another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at my home and my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today for your mercy, your grace. We ask your blessings upon your word. God, we're insufficient as we stand behind this pulpit, but you're all sufficient. And we just ask that you'll bless us and help us to say those things that will be pleasing to you and helpful to people. And God will give you glory for all that you do, for it's in Jesus' name. And let everyone say amen. amen. Many, many people want to follow Jesus like some of these, but they want to follow him on their terms. And that's not the way it is. Now, if you look at this where Jesus said, let the dead go bury the dead, you say, well, that seems like a little cruel. Now, Jesus took this opportunity to make a point to us. Regardless how bad the situation may be, he comes first. And sometimes in our life, we don't do that. Because I'm here to tell you it's his way or no way. Can you say amen? At a time of trouble such as never was come upon us and we shall need the experience which many do not possess and which few are willing to obtain. That's a statement that I read a man made. Let me read it again. A time of trouble such as never was is coming upon us and we shall need an experience which we may not now possess and which few are willing to obtain. I'm telling you, it's going to take more to serve God today than it did in 1960. It's going to take more to draw closer to him than ever has. The devil has filled our life with things. And he's trying to rob us of every opportunity God has for us. We worry about our children. How many worry about your children? I worry about mine. I pray about them. I fast about them. But that's all I can do. In Ezekiel 14 and 20, the Bible says, Though Noah, Daniel, Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall neither deliver son nor daughter, they shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. Now, I'm not telling you not to pray for your kids. It works, it helps, it does everything. But every individual on this earth has to make up their own mind whether they're going to serve God or not. I see doctrines, and I won't get into them, that once you get there, then you're already there. I mean, you know. But I'm here to tell you the Bible warns us to live right, do right, act right, treat one another right, love each other, and all the other things that goes with it. And sometimes that's not easy. Sometimes it's hard. There's going to be times when we won't be able to live on somebody else's prayers. 
Jesus gives us the parable of the ten virgins. And it will become a reality. It's coming a day and a time when half the church is going to be asking the other half the church to give us all. Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, and that's where we are today, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered and said, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go rather to him that sell and buy for yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came out the other virgin, saying, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, I know you not. Now, he didn't say I never knew you. He said, I know you not. And he said, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. This is a strong, powerful scripture to the church. And there are certain people got certain beliefs that I don't agree with. I think you got to get saved and you got to live it. You got to let him be your master. You can't get saved and go off and party and do what you did before you got saved because old things pass away and all things become new. And here this church, half of this church, he's talking about is his coming have this played around. They hadn't got oil in their lamps. Oil represents, in my opinion, the spirit of God. I had a guy tell me one day standing right here, he said, I don't believe that has anything to do with the coming of the Lord. And I said, you don't. Well, 13 says, watch therefore, for you know not the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how it don't affect those other verses. That's what he closed with. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you, we see the church world in this place today, and it's sad. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I pray for every church in this community. I don't care if he gives us a revival in the Methodist or the Baptist or wherever he gives it. Give it to us. That it might spread throughout this area that we might win souls for Jesus and we may be ready at his coming. Paul warns us about the times we're living in. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 5, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, troublesome times. Now, I want you to look at Paul's life, what all he went through. But he said the real trouble's gonna come in the last days. Perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own self, covenants, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, 
incontinent, which means without self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, and having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. He said, from such turn away. In 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, he said, now the Spirit speaketh expressively, strongly, that in the last time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies of hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. In other words, they'll do bad and don't feel bad about it. That's a dangerous place to find yourself as a Christian. 2 Timothy 3, 12 and 13, he said, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I, I wished I had about an hour and a half because I could stop right now. And I could tell you that's going on full blast today. Full blast today. These are the beginning of the days when Satan is regrouping himself and he's seducing men to look back. It's dangerous for us to look back. Show Satan, I'm positive, he can show you a good time. He'll, he'll do that. But he won't show you the results of that good time. He won't show you those broken homes and those bruised kids and those children that really have to fight twice as hard to make it than they would if all their parents are there to teach them right and do what's right. I mean, I feel for children. He, he, Satan comes, Jesus said he comes to steal and to kill. And to break up homes. We think the institution of America is the government. It's not. It's the homes in which we live. And don't get me wrong, I know there's reasons for divorce. The Bible allows reasons for divorce. Sometimes it's best to get your kids out of bad circumstances. That's what Satan wants. Best thing to do is change lives. Jesus gives us an example of living looking back. It's found in Luke 17, 26 to 33. I'm trying to really kind of going to start from the back and then catch up, I guess, what I'm doing. And he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wise. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and divorced and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, as we was in the days of Noah, Excuse me. Likewise, as it, as, it is, as it was in the days of Noah, they did eat, they drank, they brought, they sold, they planted, and they built. Busy generation. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be in the housetop, his stuff, 
in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, likewise, let him not return. He said, remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Lot's wife is recorded in verse 32, what she did. Lot was a nephew of Abraham, the father of faith. When God spoke to Abraham and said, leave this country that you're in and go to the land I want you to go to, it's kind of symbolic of getting saved, getting out of the world and going to a heavenly place. And Lot and his family went with Abraham, and everywhere they went, God blessed them. Their blessings got to be so great and so powerful that they couldn't have enough grass to feed the animals. And it wasn't Abraham and it wasn't Lot that would get in dispute. It would be the herdsmen. They would argue over it. And so Abraham said, you know, this land don't support us anymore. You choose where you want to go and I'll go the other way. And Lot looked down to the fields and the plains and the grassy areas and everything was wonderful. A lot of water there, a paradise for a cattleman. But what he didn't really look at, I don't think, was the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and the other seven cities that surrounded it. And he goes down there and when he gets down there, for a long period of time, he just done what any cattle rancher would do. But then all of a sudden we find the day that God decided to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their evilness and every sin in the world was going on in that place. It wasn't just sodomy. Every sin was going on. And God visit Abraham and said to Abraham, I'm, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and Abraham, you know, he knew that Lot was there and naturally he was concerned and God sent the other two angels on into Sodom and Gomorrah. And where was Lot? Was he in his tent? The Bible said he'd pinched, pitched his tent towards Sodom. But no, he was sitting inside the gate of Sodom. Now, I don't know what persuaded him to go into Sodom. It could have been his wife. Well, that's what we're quick to blame, the wife. But on the other hand, it could have been the husband. It could have been Lot himself. It could have been his children. But I'll tell you who all was guilty of it, every one of them, except maybe the children. And they went in Sodom and Gomorrah and these two angels come in and Lot saw them. Evidently he knew they were somebody special because the Bible said he bowed down to them. And Lot said, it's not safe for you to remain in the streets. Come on up to my house. And so they did. And then when the men of the city heard there were two new men in the thing, they come and surrounded 
uh, Lot's house and said to send these men out that we may know them. Now you know what that means. How far had Lot fallen? He went outside and said, I'll make a deal with you. I got two daughters that are virgins. Take them, but leave these men alone. That don't make sense to me at all. I'll just be honest with you. Nobody's going to fool my children. And I'm lucky enough that I didn't have any girls. Or they were lucky enough they weren't girls. So they were going to break in. They were going to get them. And the angels blinded them. And they told them why they were there. We're going to destroy this city and the surrounding cities. If you got any people in there, you go get them. Now, people disagree with me on that, but he had two more daughters because he said he went to the house of his son-in-law's so if it's his son-in-law's mean had to be his daughter, okay? And they refused to go. You see, some people say, well, that's those two daughters. No, they're virgins, okay? But so he left some of his family there, in my opinion. And he got his wife and he got his two kids. And first he didn't want to go where he said for him to go. Now, isn't that way we are? We'll find every excuse in the world to not do what God wants us to do. But finally, they agreed to let them go somewhere else. And they started out. And the angel said, we're leaving. Don't you look back. Don't look back. Now, what is the harm of looking back? I'll tell you. Every backslider you ever run into, every person that's walked away from God, say, when did it happen? And they may not use the same words, I look back, but it's I looked, I saw something. And that's the same thing the devil tried with Jesus. He showed Jesus for 40 days and 40 nights, every single solitary thing he could show him that would entice men and Jesus fought him with the word of God. And that's what made him victorious to be our savior because he didn't yield to it because he knew at times we do. You heard me say this a hundred times. How many of you like to stand up and tell you worst sin since you got saved? <laughs> Now, if I said before you got saved, well, I did this and I did that. And I'm not preaching a sin in religion, but I'm telling you, we've got to stay close to Jesus and we've got to do what Jesus wants us to do. We've got to stay in his word. We've got to pray and seek God, not every week, but every day, all the time that you possibly got. You need to pray and seek God. Because Jesus is the answer. He's the one that'll pick you up when you fall. He will tell you, don't go there through the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. What I'm saying to you, 
Genesis 19, 26, but his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. How sad. How sad. See, this is the results of the influence of Sodom, which represents the world today. Sodom was wicked, had wicked sinners before them. The Lord exceedingly, the Bible said, they were great sinners. I've been preaching what I've written down, so I'm going to bless your heart and let you out at 11.30, I hope. God always gives us a way to escape when we find ourselves in trouble. He's a merciful God. Men may not, but men ain't going to judge you. But God will. You know what God's commandment still is today? Don't look back. See, the devil likes to get you in a problem. And he, got, he tries to get you in trouble where you can't see beyond that. That's where faith comes in. You've got to believe that Jesus is looking over the whole thing. He will not allow you to be tempted or tried beyond measure. You need to understand that. We all have our trials. We all have our temptations. I was going through this and I thought about people in here that's lost their child to death. To me, I don't think there's anything that could be any worse than that. But they still held on to Jesus. And if you can hold on to Jesus after that, you can hold on to Jesus for anything else. And that is a testimony today that we need to look at when people go through such great and terrible and hard things that they stand for God. Sin never stops until we let the blood of Jesus wash us away. Those two children, now don't you listen to me, I'm closing. Those two young girls, those two young virgin girls had lived in Sodom so long that they were so influenced that when they did escape and went into the mountain with their dad, the oldest one said to the youngest one, get out the wine, we're going to get dad drunk. And I'm going to have a baby by him. And tomorrow night you do the same thing. Let me tell you something about sin. Your sins don't only cost you, but they cost people around you. Those two children born to those women ended up being the Moabites and the tribe of, or the country of Ammon, which troubled Israel for years. What happened? What was it? What caused all this right here to happen? 
Well, I'm going to tell you, when she looked back and she turned to a pillar of salt, it seemingly opened the door to the devil. If she had been there and hadn't looked back, I believe with all my heart, those two girls would have never done that. And eventually, maybe they'd got back with Abraham. So what I'm trying to say to you today, it ain't that great sin that gets you sometimes. It ain't that great temptation that gets you sometimes. Sometimes it's just looking back. Looking where God tells you not to look. I guarantee you, if you watch the news, at the end of it, you're fussing about something. Hello? But let me give you some true words of God. This is not our country. We're looking for a better country, Paul said, whose builder and maker is God. There won't be any sins. It won't be any television. I believe that with all my heart. I know there won't be any need for an automobile because when you get that new body, you can do just like Jesus did. You can just appear wherever you want to appear. The Bible said we'll be like him. I'm telling you, there's some great things ahead of us, but I feel the Holy Spirit right now when I tell you, don't look back. Don't look back. Stay on the narrow path with Jesus Christ. Stand with me, if you will. I didn't make it to 130. It's 131. If you're here and you're fighting a battle, you got a need in your life, won't you come up and let God meet that need? God's in the healing business. He's in the saving business. He's in the filling business. And above all that, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. How many of you love your wife? Raise your hand. You really love you. I know you. I'll get 100% on that. I knew that. <laughs> if somebody bothered her, you're just going to stand there and watch it? Saint Jesus just stands there and watches and let the devil does what he wants to do. The devil knows how far he can go. Sometimes we just have to wait on it. I've seen people healed instantly. And I've seen them get better and it'll go away. Now who am I to say how God will heal you? I got written in my Bible. And I don't know who it was. I know it was like 2001 after we started here. I got a name written there. Hill with cancer. Now I forgot who it was. But he hadn't. I think it was a man that came one day when the Teen Challenge was here and his son was in Teen Challenge. They were going home that afternoon and he decided he'd stay that night. And he come up for prayer and we gathered around him.
probably about that many people or maybe a few more. And we prayed. He never told us what he had. And he went home that night, went in the hospital Monday morning to have his prostate removed because it was full of cancer. And when they started, it was gone. And his son stood up and testified right there, Teen Challenge guy, and said, y'all didn't know it when y'all was praying for my daddy, but he had prostate cancer. And he went home Monday and they started operating on him and it was gone. You know what that told me? I don't know how to know what it is, and neither do you. God knows all about it. showed his faith by not going home. He, he believed in his heart. If he stayed here, God would heal him. And God healed him. I'd probably say he's been prayed for a hundred times before then. But God's got a time and a place. And today may be your time.